Welcome to a new podcast where we're breaking through and breaking it down with a new girl, your host, Dawn Piercy. One. Welcome to Mariano Big Dog's Corner of a new podcast. My name is Dawn Piercy. I am your host, and we are here to bring you part two of Dutch Bradley. And now he's a highly motivated life coach who impacts, trains, and develops individuals to be strong leaders and who they're meant to be. And uh, he's one of the founders of 220 Life, Dutch Bradley Apparel, and Extreme Life Incorporated, as well as an ambassador for I Am Second and a national speaker for Gideon's International. Dutch, it's great to have you back on Big Dog's Corner of a New Podcast Mariano may pop in at some point. We don't know. Yeah. Uh, he's working on something right now. Hey, that's my man, Big Dog. But let me tell you what, if he doesn't pop on for whatever reason, I know you are the woman for the job. Yes, that's right. Now, I want to ask, I know last time that you were on, there's so much to talk about, uh, so many interesting topics that's very inspirational you work in the prisons, you go in there, you've actually got a reality TV show that you're working on right now, Life After the Hustle. I want to know more about that. What can you tell us? Well, uh, I can tell you some snapshots of it. What it is, is life is an acrostic for living in faith every day after the hustle. So I had a, a, an epiphany at one time. I was working out in the gym uh, I know in the first episode, we talked a little bit about my story. My story is, is that I had charges in three different states. I had stack time. I was looking at 38 years for trafficking cocaine oh, wow. and for guns. And in the midst of that, I got into a fight mate. They ended up sending I sat on the floor of the, the, uh, of the jail, and a man shared uh, eight words with me to change my life he said you look burdened can i pray for you and so from the jail floor or he prayed a prayer i repeated it and all I, I remember was it ended in the name of jesus and from that day forward my life has never ever been the same it's been you know radically transformed uh, and i always like to share that it wasn't because somebody shared bible verses with me it was because somebody loved the young man that was broken and rejected and love covers a multitude of sin. Love is the thing that they want love more than they want money. They want love more than they want cars and houses. They want to be loved and to give love. So this is coming from a guy that was kind of a hardened thug with a stone heart and uh, was doing some really crazy things. But love broke me down. And that was God's love. He pursued me. When I felt unlovable and he loved me. So the point being that living in faith every day, life after the hustle, I was working out one day in the gym and I was hitting the weights and I was singing a song that many people that are listening to your show may know. It goes, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling. And while I'm singing that song out loud, I hear God saying, that's your problem. Every day you're hustling when every day you should be trusting in trusting in me. And so when you're hustling, you're typically not trusting it. And so for me, this whole hustle thing that everybody 
wants to be a hustler now. Everybody's hustling for the job. Everybody wants to be a boss. We got boss men. We got boss women, boss babies, boss girls, boss boys. Everybody wants <laughs> their pursuing things rather than pursuing me. And if they would pursue me, they would be able to uh, have the things that they're in pursuit of and they'd have the right heart in doing it. So life after the hustle, I've got eight people that are former convicted felons. Everybody's got hardcore backgrounds. Everybody's got gangster testimonies. Uh, we've got the, uh, the gangster queen from Philadelphia who was responsible for trafficking all the cocaine from LA to Philly and up the East Coast is one of my characters, myself and my story, my sons. So we talk through the issues that have been uh, the result of me going to prison and me not being there for my little boy when he was growing up and how he felt going through that, and, you know, dealing with my daddy's not being there. And then when I get out, the things that a person who's been to prison has to deal with, things like being rejected from housing, right. not being get employment, not being able to have any proof of uh, a place to live because you don't have a job, you don't have a paycheck, all the things that compound as a result of the 13th Amendment the 13th Amendment being that you don't have any legal right to hold a person as possession or slave, comma, or colon, unless they've been convicted of a crime. So everybody that has en entered into uh, any type of felony arrest, we enter into a slave system that does not empower us to get back out and have a normal life. We can't get housing. We can't get jobs. You know, and everybody says, well, you know, you can get a job. You know, there's jobs for people coming out of jail. Yeah, those jobs are typically, you know, eight to nine to ten dollars an hour. When a person that has children, a wife, and a family, you can't support your family with that. But more than that, by the time I got out of prison, I was college educated with a 4.0 GPA and much more capable than holding down a job, shoveling stone, and and filling holes. And so, there's not jobs for people that are commensurate with what they have learned, what they've been through, their academia uh, accomplishments, so forth and so on. So long story short, we're using life after the hustle to take these hardened people that have now been redeemed by the love of God, and those people are going back into the prisons with me in the first episode. So we've already got a prison lined up. They're going to let us come in and film it, and we're going to go back in, and we're pursuing the hardest gangsters in that jail. And it's in a it's in a it's in a very large city uh, in the United States. There's a lot of gang issues that are in this city, and we want to be intentional about going after people that the world has given up on. So one of the other episodes is is that we're taking our our crew of eight uh, to go do a human trafficking extraction. So we're going to go in with uh, the the police, with the sheriff's office, potentially with ICE. We're going to do an extraction of children that are in the human trafficking piece. But my arrangement with them is we want to love one and minister to those who've been caught in at the children, but we also want to have the opportunity to minister Christ to the predator. Right. That's different. That's new. That's something people don't do. But, you know, if Jesus can die with two thieves on the crosses next to him, how much more is somebody who's here that's a predator uh, willing and able? Because that's what I was. I was a predator when somebody... Um, had witnessed Christ to me. So we want to change people in the midst of their evil, and we want them to just change teams and go from evil to good. Now, what do you do in the case that you come upon when you're sitting one-on-one -on -one with somebody and they refuse the word of God? Um, 
I know that they can sometimes come off as hostile, possibly, um, because they're, they're not able to accept that themselves. What do you do in that type of situation, Dutch? Well, you know, my experience has been, and I thank God I've got a lot of miles behind me now, and I've got a lot of experience doing this. You know, the scripture is very clear. No man can come to God unless the Holy Spirit draws them. Now, this is key, because most people with a religious agenda, they're not seeking or discerning what God wants to do. They're just on the mission of what they want to do. So where somebody may be trying to share scriptures or to pray with somebody, what that individual may need is just somebody to value them because they come from a background where they're not very valued or somebody who will just listen to them. And so what most people do is they come and they do all the talking mm -hmm. when what the person really needed was somebody to value them by listening to them. So that's where the, the gift of discernment comes in. You know, right. Paul writes about discernment. You have to to be aware of where the Holy Ghost is in your communication with the individual and not get stuck in your agenda, but what is best for that individual and how can you help healing to begin. And here's the last thing. I think it's, uh, what is it, 2 Corinthians 2.14. It says, the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God because they can only be spiritually understood. What does that mean? You're quoting scriptures to somebody that doesn't have a spiritual capability of understanding it because right. they first have to receive faith to believe in Christ. Once they have faith to believe in Christ, they're now born again of the spirit. Now their spirit can understand scripture. That and makes most people sense. That way out of order. Absolutely. Now, <laughs> tell, us, um, tell us about, you've also... Didn't you have another type of web series? Was it 220 Life, if I'm not mistaken? 220 Life is my foundation, foundation, which is based off of Galatians 220. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I who lives, but it's Christ who now lives in me. And the life that I now live in this body, in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me, who loves me and gave himself for me. So my 220 Life uh, Foundation is based off of that verse, yes. Okay, and do you still bodyguard? Or is that something that you've transitioned out of? I, 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 well, I, I think we talked in the first show. I had the opportunity while I was in Miami Beach. I got to work with Jennifer Lopez. I got to work with Mark Anthony mm -hmm. when she was married to him. I worked with Diddy uh, for a number of years. I was his personal driver. Uh, got to work with people like Janet Jackson. I, I got to do a bunch of really fun stuff. So at this stage of life, I only bodyguard one person, probably the most important client uh, that I've ever had, and that's my five-year-old daughter. I make sure nobody touches her, nobody messes with her, and no little boys better put their arm around her. So that's who I bodyguard now. Okay, okay. <laughs> now, when you're out in the field, and you're doing what you do. I know that, you know, there can be a fine line. You know, it's kind of like, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you shall fear no evil. And you put that armor on every day. Do you ever have moments to where the people that you're working with are that are more on the shadow side, um kind of move into the light or your own personal light 
And if they do, how are you able to shield yourself from that? Yeah, so the people that I just mentioned doing bodyguard work for, I had the opportunity to share my faith in Christ with both of them, which was, you know, what what a wonderful opportunity, but it wasn't anything that I planned. Mm -hmm. It was something that I had to be available for when the Lord presented the opportunity for me to be able to do it. So um, that's great. When it comes to other people, I, I think the biggest thing and the most important thing is and let me go back to scripture in the book of Acts. It uh, it said in the city of Antioch is where they were first called Christians. Why is this so important? I don't call myself a Christian. I don't. Uh, mainly because the water is so muddy around what that is. And there's so many people that claim that that don't actually follow Christ. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little more comfortable with being a Christ follower than I am with calling myself a Christian. But the point is that it doesn't say that the apostles called themselves Christians. It said that the people that witnessed them called them Christians because they lived, walked, and modeled a life like Jesus Christ. Okay. So it's more important that people see how you model your life and that they call you a Christ follower or a Christian than getting caught up in calling yourself one, if that makes any sense. Yeah, because they're seeing it through action. They're seeing it through your your daily prayer and your daily dedication and how you present <clears throat> yourself and let him work through you. So I can definitely see the difference in that. Yeah, I, I, I think you've, you've kind of stated the, uh, the proactive uh, side or the more positive side of mm-hmm. how they may view it. The thing that I stress a little bit more heartily is they see you when you mess up and you go make it right. They see you when you uh, act out of emotion or anger and you go ask for forgiveness as a result of it. It's when you show your humanity, but in your humanity, you apply the principles that Christ gave you to live by. And so when they see that you're, you're just as capable of anyone else of failing, but yet it causes you to get up, humble yourself, make restitution, seek forgiveness, and then, you know, model through, is there anything else I can do? Will you please forgive me for what I've done? And right. that is more powerful than doing everything correctly. Because it's much more difficult to ask someone to forgive you than it is for you to never do anything that needs forgiveness. Right. Absolutely. Uh, do you have anything as, aside from the life after the hustle that you're working on behind the scenes that you can fill us in on? Well, life after the hustle right now is a full-time project. So okay. uh, we looked at raising the initial capital so that we can go and we can shoot. We've got to shoot the sizzle and the first episode. So we're raising capital for that. If anyone out there, if you're an investor, we've got a 20% return on investment. So contact Dawn, contact myself, do what you have to do. Get involved. It's an amazing project. It's going to do incredibly well. Uh, we got to figure out which network is going to give us the greatest slot uh, and play with it. But mm-hmm. we'll get them on TV and it should be fascinating. Um, so what are the other things? I mean, that, that's really taking up most of my time outside of just my, my day-to-day uh, functions where I'm counseling people, where I'm doing intervention, crisis intervention. You know, it seems like everybody's children nowadays are 
you know, in some type of a crisis. And so everybody's asking, hey, can you come talk to my son? Can you come talk to my daughter? Can you come talk to my husband? Will you please talk to my wife? Um, you know, because listen, we're in critical times and yes. people are wanting to know how to live. More and more financial crisis is hitting the uh, hitting you know our economy. Where you have families that are really struggling. You have uh, number one cause of divorce is what financial issues. There, there's there's something about people not being able to stick together through tough financial times. And so what happens is, and it's it's completely an attack of the enemy. If the enemy can get you to lack money, mm -hmm. then he can affect this of the family. He can get the man out of the home. So now it's a woman raising the three children, right. wondering where their dad is and why doesn't he love us anymore? Why? Because there's an attack on the man to get him out of the family and the nuclear family. So, uh, you know, I've got a full time job, you know, just trying to maintain my own uh, manhood, maintain my own fatherhood. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, my son's 30 years old now. He's part of the show, as I mentioned. And, you know, I want a greater relationship with my son. I want that to grow better and, and stronger together. Uh, and I want that with my little girl as well. So uh, it's full, it's full time, as you know, yes. it's full time work. Now I can't do what you do. You've got four shows rolling at once. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy just to have one in motion. I <laughs> am just very organized. I have a, a very strict regiment every day that I follow mm -hmm. to do everything that I need to do. And um, that's that's how I do it because I'm also a homeschool teacher full time, as well. Look at you! <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm I'm tired of listening to what you do on a daily basis. <laughs> I'm worn out. I'm worn out. That's a lot. That's a lot. Kudos to you. Well, well I, done. thank you very much. I couldn't do it without without God. That's that's one thing. It's um, my my mind works very fast. So huh. I'm able to multitask and do several things at a time. Love so, it. Love yeah. it. Well done. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So do you, if you have, and I know I probably said this last time, if you had something that you wanted to say to the world, uh, what would it be? And I, I want to ask you that again. Because sometimes these views, you know, sometimes they, they come out different. It might regulate with some of our audience. And, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I hate to kind of stay in this kind of spiritual or religious vein. But I'm in a season right now where I am studying the times and the seasons. And I, I want to be very clear uh uh, most things are not what they appear to be. And we're dealing right now with a lot of things like fake news uh, becoming a very troubling thing. Uh, but it happened very subtly. So what, what happened? We went from reporting news that empowered people who were the listeners to make educated decisions based off of reporting facts to persuasive news where now you have your CNN and you have your Fox News and you have your MSNBCs who all just go after a narrative that supports their va values and their beliefs. So right. they're pushing their stuff on us, which means that they don't value that we can make decisions based on facts, right? That everybody wants to persuade us. So now we have where people are just making up information and reporting on it based on their narrative. Why do I share that? 
because nothing is as it appears to be. When they're telling you that the economy is one way and you find out that it's completely another, nothing is what it appears to be. There's really troubling times that are ahead. There's uh, these storms that are taking place throughout the world, but here particularly in the United States, are wiping out the farms. These floods are wiping out the crops. And so there's not enough food for the amount of people that are in the world. So everything needs to be subsidized. And a lot of food is being manufactured now. It's not even real food. You know what? I just spoke about that on a New World News where I'm bringing interesting facts with Rebecca Mahan. They are looking to replace food with a pill. Yeah. Yeah. And it says you may want fries with that. And it's like, well, where am I going to get the fries? And then, are they, and then you have to think, are they going to make it illegal to garden at some point so they can have control over the situation? And I said, you know what? I will go live in a cave. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to come to that point, Dutch. It's going to come to that point. It's going to be, you know, I, I don't want to be, you know, chipped or something. What yeah, doing well, over listen, in I'm not a I'm not a doomsday person. I'm just stating Bible facts. Right. This is what the Bible says the end of times is going to look like. And it has not been wrong anywhere else up till now. So I, I have to believe what it says about the future. Mm-hmm. You know, the other part of this is um you look at the pill industry. Yeah. Look at look at the medication, look at the addictions. If you don't think that the world is being the world population is being controlled by medications, think again. I mean, when they want to kill people off, they know how to kill people off. They, they cut their meds. Yeah, they yep. absolutely go in or, or they cause things like oxycotton addictions where they're flooding uh, sections of the, of, the, uh, of the United States with these drugs and people are become addi- becoming addicted. And then you have your overdoses, everything else, whether it's crack cocaine or oxycotton. So the, the reason I mention that is because Pharmacy, which is the word where we get our medication from, is actually a Bible word. Mm-hmm. But the Bible pharmakia. Pharmakia is where we get the word pharmacy. Pharmakia translates as witchcraft and sorcery. Everybody that is addicted to medications or cannot get off of medications, it is witchcraft and it is sorcery. I'll even give you an example. I had a season where I could not sleep without Ambien. Ended up having two car accidents because I took Ambien and got in the car and drove because I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that early on when I first started taking it. Could not sleep without taking that pill, would lay in bed every night and could not enter into any kind of a deep sleep. I would lay awake the entire eight hours, which caused me to have insomnia, Right. which caused obviously the next day be completely out uh, of tired worn out a zombie i'm just a zombie i'm a walking zombie what's what's the reason i won't go too deep into this unless you 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 pry but i started going through a season of cleansing Mm -hmm. and i started listening to a bunch of messages and i got hooked on some messages about the spirit of jezebel which is not a female spirit it's a gender neutral spirit really okay how, how, how it attacks people the spirit of jezebel and what they had talked about was uh, it's Jezebel from the Book of Kings. She was married to Ahab, who's the second 
greatest uh, king behind uh, King David uh, in, the, in the Old Testament. Long story short, when the preacher was preaching, he said, if you have trouble sleeping at night, you could have a spirit of Jezebel. Man, I heard that thing loud and clear, and I immediately took that case to what's called the throne of heaven. If you guys haven't heard, or, or the courtroom of heaven, if you haven't mm -hmm. heard about that, it's a, a great series of books, the courtroom of heaven, how we have to approach God as a judge, a father, and a friend. And um, I presented my case about this Jezebel to God the Father, asked him to forgive me. I repented. I renounced any uh, open doors that have allowed the spirit right. into my life. Went home that night, did not take a pill, and slept for the first time like a baby. Wow. Because pharmakia is witchcraft and sorcery. So, I mean, for me, I have to say, I, I'd recommend if anybody's wanting to get off medications, I myself, like, got a book of uh, natural medicines because sometimes there's medical issues that you don't have a choice but to take something for um, but you don't want to take a man-made medication to where everything's been stripped from it and it's yeah pharmaceutical yeah, I, yeah. I, listen so for the record I would not advocate anyone stopping their medication because of what I just shared for me I was at a place of I was already in a place of seeking and searching I was in a place of uh, high faith mm -hmm. in my really high and for me it was just a sleeping pill I, i'm right. not telling you to get off a of blood pressure medication oh or no nothing else. like that but 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 that they should at least start making uh moving in that direction if you got high blood pressure and you're not exercising at least an hour a day you may want to at least start exercising right 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 the things that we can do and then ask god to do the things that we can't do absolutely no what i was talking about is uh for instance like insurance quits covering one of your medications and boom you're off of it there's nothing that you can do and it says you can't stop the medication for a sense right um but i found like for me mine was like with my nexium but i found that aloe vera gel you can put it in a drink and drink it every morning and it does the exact same thing wonderful so yeah. but i didn't have a choice you know, Love they it. took my meds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, what do I do? I found a solution. But it, you know, I, yeah, I wouldn't recommend anybody just stopping. Well, there's, there's a verse in the Bible. I can't remember exactly where this one is, but it essentially says that all of our healing comes from the herbs of the ground. Mm -hmm. So God has a way for it. Right. But, but the herbs of the ground didn't make enough money for the money hungry people at the top of the chain. So they created synthetic drugs yep. so that they could addict us and so that they could then you know get wealthy off of us it's it's a system that's wicked and that's why it's important to uh seek god seek christ and his kingdom right his way of doing things because the, the world system is a wicked system it is very much so so i wanted to thank you so much for coming on for round two on mariano big dog's corner of a new podcast big dog, big dog. <laughs> Hi, Mariano. I know you're going to watch this. Love Big Dog. <laughs> yeah, he's a good person. Um, Thanks for having me. You're welcome. If, for our audience, if you like this episode, be sure to click like, hit share so other people can get the message that needs to get out. Subscribe to keep I up with 
all a new guest. And if you feel fit to buy me a cup of coffee once a month for bringing you these episodes, you can do so at our anchor.fm platform under a new podcast. Uh, this podcast is available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Libre.media, and many other streaming services. Until next time, this is Don Piercy and Dutch Bradley signing off. Keep it real.